Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Sermon Podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. First Pres Executive Director Chris Pan does a lot of show and tell. You'll have to imagine his big white paper and all the props today. But the question today is simple, and it has to do with belief. Okay, good morning. I am Chris Pan, the Executive Director here at First Pres, and our sermon title today is whom I have believed, whom I have believed. And we're continuing through the lectionary, which is a centuries-old uh, schedule of Bible readings that churches around the world have followed. Um, and uh, today, I want to start by reading a portion of a letter uh, written by a convicted criminal from prison um, while awaiting execution. And almost all his friends deserted him, and they were embarrassed by him. And he wrote this letter, his last letter before he died, uh, to a younger friend and someone he mentored for years. Uh, the convicted criminal's name is Paul, uh, and his younger mentee is named Timothy. Our Bible passage today is from the book of 2 Timothy. And that's the backstory of this passage. Paul was a missionary and pastor. He wrote 13 or 14 of the um, uh, letters in the New Testament, uh, depending on whether or not you include Hebrews. And the book of 2 Timothy is the last letter that Paul writes um, before his death from a prison cell in Rome uh, where he was imprisoned by the Roman government for preaching the gospel. Uh, in his letter, Paul acknowledges that the end is near for him. And so he writes this very personal, most personal letter to Timothy, um, his young mentee. As we go through our sermon today, ask yourself uh, these two questions. One, what is God saying to me? And two, what does he want me to do about it? One, what is God saying to me? Two, what does he want me to do about it? Will you please join me now in prayer? God, may you speak to us now. We invite your Holy Spirit to transform us. We want to be transformed this morning, not just informed. We want to be inspired by your Spirit. Open our eyes and our ears and our hearts. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ and all God's children say, Amen. Again, our passage this morning is from the lectionary, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. Uh, it's a long passage, and so put yourself into this story. Uh, imagine yourself as Timothy receiving this letter. Uh, you, Timothy, are in the city of Ephesus. You've been there for four years as a missionary and as a pastor, uh, caring for a community of believers um, in Jesus Christ, who squabble and fight and have conflicts. Um, your mentor, Paul, who you traveled with for 12 years, uh, is writing you this letter from a dark and damp prison cell. The last time you got a letter from Paul, it was four years ago. And you know that uh, Paul is not getting out of prison. Um, I've asked David Chang to come and do the Bible reading this morning. And here he comes, David Chang. Thank you very much. He's bringing his own... Um, Flip chart for um, effect. David's going to be reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. And we brought the flip chart so that you can really set the scene here. You really feel like you're in prison now, don't you? Second Timothy chapter 1. Verses 1 through 15. This letter is from Paul, 
chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. I am writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. That's why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, and don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. And that is why I am suffering here in prison. But I'm not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learn from me, a pattern shaped by faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. As you know, everyone from the province of Asia has deserted me, even Phygelus and Hermogenes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, David. Uh, the lectionary schedule actually only had um, you know, verses 1 through 14, but I love including verse 15 there because it reminds us that this is a real letter from a real person. Imagine being called out by name in the Bible forever. Um, there's so much great stuff in this passage that we won't have a chance to cover this morning. So feel free to read this passage throughout the week. Uh, read the whole book of 2 Timothy um, and see what God says to you through the text. Um, tonight, to this morning, I wanted to just highlight two themes that really stood out to me. Uh, the first theme is from verse 12, the phrase, For I know the one in whom I trust. I know the one in whom I trust. And the second theme is from verse 6, the idea of spiritual gifts from God. Um, first, verse 12. Uh, here's um, verse 12 in the very old-timey language of the King James Version. Uh, Paul writes, Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. Paul is in prison. Everyone has abandoned him. Even 
Phygelus and Hermogenes. Uh, everyone's embarrassed by him. And Paul writes, nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I think that this simple phrase um, really captures maybe the hearts of Christianity. Whom. I know whom I have believed. I know the one in whom I trust. Paul is writing to encourage Timothy, um, especially as Timothy is pastoring and teaching about sound doctrine. And what strikes me about this phrase is what Paul doesn't write. Paul doesn't write, for I know what I have believed. For I know what I have believed. For I know what I have believed is a statement about knowledge. It's a statement about facts and ideas and doctrine. It's about content and information. And clearly, Paul cares about all those things. He cares about uh, sound teaching. But he doesn't write, I know what I have believed. Um, thank you very much to Carly in our office who wrote all this out. She's much, much nicer handwriting than me, and she draws prison bars much better than I do. Um, Paul doesn't write, for I know what I have believed. Paul writes, for I know whom I have believed. This is a statement about things and facts and knowledge. And this is a statement about someone. It's about a person. It's about a relationship. It's a statement about a relationship with a person, the person of God himself. And the very heart of our faith is being able to say, for I know whom I have believed. It's about our relationship with the person of God, not our mastery over facts about God. And the verb tense for believed here is the tense in which it is, I have believed in this someone in the past, and I continue to believe even today. In the past and continuing on into the present. It's not just I believed one time in the past and I'm done. It's continuing on now. And so as a church community, what is the object of our faith? Do we say... Our faith is in what the things that we believe. I know what I believe. The right facts, the right content, the right information. I'm on the right side of this issue. Or is our faith in believing in the right person? Can I say, can we say, I know whom I have believed, the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As we gather today, are we seeking information or are we seeking transformation? Do we want to know more about God, or do we want to know God? A few years ago, my kids uh, read a book for school called Wonder. Uh, and the book's about a 10-year-old with severe facial deformities uh, and his experience going to fifth grade. Uh, the friends he makes, uh, the bullies who are there. And I know this not because I read the book, but because I watched the movie adaptation with Julia Roberts and Owen Wilson. Um, anyway, there's a scene in the movie or the book uh, and it's on the first day of school, and the teachers, the kids' teachers, uh, teacher says this. This teacher says, you have a choice between being right and being kind. Choose kind. And when I saw the movie, um, when I saw that during the movie, I immediately recoiled and sat up on the couch and thought, what? That can't be right. Of course you're supposed to be right. Being right is the most important thing. Who cares if you're mean? You're right. Who's with me? Yeah. <laughs> One person. 
All the rest of you are all more spiritual than I am. Um, I think when we focus on... Um, I know what I believe. It makes us want to be right. I think I, when we focus on I know what... I know whom I have believed. It makes us want to be love. And not just loving but love itself, um, because God is love. The Apostle John writes this in 1 John 4, 8. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. In 1 Corinthians 13, there is this long description about the character of love. And it's in the context of a discussion about spiritual gifts. Uh, You're familiar with this passage. Love is patient. Love is kind. Uh, And the passage concludes, now these three remain. Faith, hope, and being right. And the greatest of these is being right. Of course not. Paul writes, now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. I spent a lot of my life wanting to be right. And only recently have I wanted and started to want to be love. Are we more concerned about being right or about being love? The people we watch on TV or listen to on podcasts, the people we engage in in social media, are they concerned about being right or being love? Are they teaching us and training us and encouraging us to be right or be love. Maybe you're not convinced. Because I don't know if I'm convinced either. I still want to be right. But uh, I keep thinking about this statement. For I know whom I have believed. And who is that whom I have believed? Jesus was teaching one time. And the Pharisees dragged the woman to Jesus who had been caught in the act of adultery. And they quoted the law to Jesus because they were experts in the law. This woman should have rocks thrown at her until she dies. That's the law. That's what's right. And Jesus says, that's right, start throwing rocks. No, of course not. He says, if you have no sin, then you throw the first stone. And they all disperse and leave. And so it's just Jesus and this woman. And then Jesus says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Is that Jesus choosing to be kind, to be love over being right? Jesus was teaching at a synagogue one time, and there was a man there with a withered hand. Jesus saw him and healed him right there on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees knew that this was not right. The law was very clear. You don't heal someone on the Sabbath. But Jesus chose to heal the man over being right, over following the law. Jesus was love over being kind. And that made the Pharisees so furious that they decided right there and then that Jesus had to die. When I think about the life of Jesus, it seems to me that he does this a lot. Jesus heals a man with leprosy. He heals a woman with a bleeding disorder. He brings a a young girl back to life. And in each of those instances, he reaches out and touches them allows himself or his cloak to be touched. And that, 
every time is a violation of the law, a violation of what's right. It's a violation of the ceremonial purity laws. And every time, the Pharisees must have been furious because it's a violation of what's right. But Jesus was doing what Jesus does. Jesus was being love. God is love. Paul writes, for I know whom I have believed. He doesn't write, for I know what I believed. Because I think Paul knows being right didn't save the Pharisees. And being right won't save you or right, save me. The whom saves us. Jesus saves. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and Son is adorned and glorified. The heart of our faith is a belief in whom, not what. My mom had uh, cancer for uh, a month this summer. Uh, in May, she wasn't feeling well, and she went to the doctor. In June, she was diagnosed with a cancerous tumor in her stomach. In July, she had surgery to remove the tumor. And in August, she was cancer-free. Um, yeah, praise God. I know nobody wants cancer, but I feel like uh, if you're going to get cancer, my mom did it right. Um, one month. So praise God for his miraculous healing. Praise God for those of you who um, knew about this situation and prayed for her. Uh, anyway, I was with my parents in June after the diagnosis, but before the surgery, uh, and before we knew how things were going to turn out. Uh, and I was watching YouTube videos with my mom, watching explanation videos about what the laparoscopic surgery was going to be like, watching videos um, by Christians who had um, battled cancer and uh, give, were giving encouragement. Uh, and we saw this one video by this guy that was great, really encouraging. Uh, and at the end of the video, he says, we're going to continue in part two, so make sure you click on part two. Uh, we'll discuss uh, how you have assurance of your salvation. Uh, so we go to click on part two, and there's no part two. Search around, no part two. This guy either didn't make it, didn't put it up, uh, no part two at all. Um, and so I say something jokey to my mom, like, sorry, mom, I guess you're not going uh, to know if you have assurance of salvation. Uh, my mom turns to me, completely serious, and says, you're a pastor, how do I have assurance of salvation? Um, my mom has been a stalwart Christian her entire life, um, a faithful woman for decades, but she had just been told she had cancer, and her surgery wasn't for another few weeks, um, and she must have been terrified. Um, and I asked her, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And she said, yes. And I said, then you have assurance of salvation. And we went on watching YouTube videos. Um, I don't have a lot of answers. Um, I don't know why there's evil or suffering in the world. Thank God for Pastor Tim who preached about that last week. Um, I don't know why my mom was cured in a month when other people struggle for years. Uh, I don't know what happens at the end times. Uh, there's a lot that I don't know. Uh, but my mom's question is an easy one. The answer, for I know whom I have believed. In the book of Acts, chapter 16, it's earlier in Paul's life. And Paul was in another prison. Paul spent a lot of time in prison. And there's an earthquake, and all the cell doors are flung open. 
And the prison guard sees that the doors are open, so he takes out his sword, and he's about to kill himself because he thinks all the prisoners have escaped. And Paul says, don't harm yourself. We're all still here. And the prison guard runs in, and lo and behold, in fact, they're all still there. And so the prison guard falls down on his knees, trembling before Paul, and he asks, what must I do to be saved? And Paul's response in Acts 16, 31 Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. That's it. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your whole household. That's the whole answer. And that's exactly what the prison guard does. And that night, he and his whole family are saved. For I know whom I have believed. That is the first theme that I want to talk about today. The second theme is the theme of gifts. Um, you want to see why I asked um, Carly to do um, the prison bars, because now I'm going to draw a gift. And you see how my drawing skills are. Get oak. How's that? Does that look good? Look like a, a window pane with ears? It's a gift. It's a reminder that Paul writes here in verse 6. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Paul has a gift, and Paul, uh, Timothy has a gift, and Paul tells him, fan into flames this gift. So now you can see my, my fire drawing ability, which is probably better than my gift drawing ability. Fan into flames this gift. I need this paper behind so that you guys don't see what's coming up next. <laughs> we got some thin paper up here. Um, fan into flames the gift God has given you. Don't be scared or timid. God has given us a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. Uh, a few months back, a friend uh, complimented me about a sermon that I'd recently given. Uh, she said something like, that was a good sermon. Uh, you have a gift. And I, being the good, modest Chinese son that I am, raised right, I said something like, no, no, it's nothing. Uh, I am, uh, so many people are so much better than you. I, I, am, uh, I only bring shame to my family. Um, um, and she cut me off. And she said, um, incredulously, she said, stop. It has nothing to do with you. It's a gift from God for you to use. Uh, and that's why we need community, to tell each other the truth. Anyway, it got me thinking about gifts, about how 100% right she is. Fan into flames the gift that God has given you. God has given each one of us, every single person in this sanctuary, every single person worshiping together online, every single person at the vine, a gift. Every one of us has a gift, just like Timothy had a gift. And Paul encourages us all, use your gift. Fan into flames the gift you have received. For this next portion of the sermon, I will need a volunteer. 
I'll need a brave volunteer who does not have a spirit of fear or timidity, but a fear of power and love and self-discipline. All right. Matt, if you don't mind. Oh, oh, actually, hold on one second. Come on up. Come on up. Yeah, come on up. This does not work without a volunteer, so praise God for you. What is your name? My name is Seth Ucardi. Seth. Okay, Seth, stand right here. Yeah. Seth, you have a gift. <laughs> Aren't you glad you volunteered? Yes, I am. Thank Very you. good. Now you can rethink that because, uh, Matt, if you don't mind, if you can bring a chair up, you're going to sit here now for the rest of the sermon because you're going to be a representative of everybody else here out in the congregation. We have a real replica chair just like everyone is sitting in out there for you to sit in here. You're going to sit here and you're going to represent everybody here who has a gift. Okay, step forward. Thank you, Matt. Seth, please have a seat. Sit here with your gift. Seth represents all of you, and all of you online, and everyone at the Vine. Um, <laughs> um, Seth is sitting here with his gift, because I think a lot of people say, when they hear about gifts, they say, I don't have a gift. I don't have a gift. Um, Seth, do you have a gift? Yes, I do. Yeah. What would it be like if I said, hey, do you have a gift? And you say, no, I don't have a gift. It would be uh, denial of the truth. Yeah, it'd be denial of the truth. It'd be a little absurd. It'd be like, man, we can see that you have a gift. Why are you saying you don't have a gift? There are so many of us sometimes who sit in these pews and sit in these seats and think, all these people around me are so talented, and Chevis can sing so well, and Becca can sing so well, and people can do all these things, and I don't have a gift at all. I don't have a gift. And that's absurd. It's a denial of the truth. You have a gift. Um, and don't just believe me, believe the Apostle Peter, who writes this in 1 Peter. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. God has given each of you a gift. This is the truth. I don't have a gift. If you're sitting there thinking, I don't have a gift, that is not true. Look at Seth and be reminded you have a gift. Uh, Seth, the second question is... Why do I have this gift? Seth, do you have this gift because you are exceedingly good-looking and very, very smart? Well, while I am both of those things, no. <laughs> All right. Right answer. Fantastic. We got to get this guy a mic. Um, yeah. Uh, is, do you have this gift because you are worked really, really hard for this gift? No. Do you have this gift because you are really good? No. Do you have this gift because you deserve it? No. Why do you have this gift? Because of the grace of God. Amen. Or in this situation, because uh, me, who is not God, just gave you a gift. Yes. <laughs> but we'll let that play out. That's cool. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, absolutely correct. Seth has this gift not because of something he deserves or something he's done or he's got to be super good. He gets a gift because a gift giver has decided to give him a gift. In the same way that we all have a gift because God has given us a gift. Not because we're good or special or good-looking, even though you all are, are so good-looking and good and special. Um, here Paul write this in the letter to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Oh, look, I got a, I got a lay here, too. Oh, wow, I'm getting showered. Yeah, yeah, even more gifts. Look, like gifts upon gifts. Um, why do we have our gifts? We have the gifts because the Holy Spirit has given us this gift. Um, three. 
What is my gift? We've established that we all have gifts. We've established that we have these gifts, not because of us, but because God has given us a gift. Seth, what is your gift? Well, right now it's a white box with some ribbon on it, but, uh, but in spiritual sense, I would like to think of my gift is a willingness to learn. That is fantastic. Man, you are like awesome at this. I, I, I was uh, thinking very much more simply, which is you actually don't know what your gift is yet, right? Like, yeah. Oh, oh. I'm operating I'm this level down here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like taking it way up there. Um, yeah, like, what's your gift, Seth? What's in that box? I do not know. No idea, right? Um, so many of us might sit here and think, I don't know what my gift is. What is my gift? Um, and so the uh, Apostle Paul writes this in letters to the church at, uh, in Rome and in Corinth and in Ephesus. He writes these listings of gifts, of spiritual gifts. Here is a listing of them. Um, administration being an apostle, discernment, evangelism, encouragement, faith, giving, healing, hospitality, knowledge, leadership, mentoring, mercy, prophecy, service, speaking in tongues, teaching, wisdom. Do you know what your gift is? Are you sitting there with an unopened box like Seth, not knowing what your gift is? Maybe ask a friend. Maybe go online and take a spiritual gift test. Take an assessment. Think this through this week about what your gift is. And we all have different gifts. In Romans, Paul writes, we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Romans 12, 6. We're not going to get further into this today. I just want to whet your appetite about this idea that you have a gift and to discover your gift. I want you to get you curious. Um, And I hope that in the coming days and weeks, Everyone spends a little time finding out and leaning into what your gift is. Because otherwise, it's like sitting here with a gift and not opening it, not knowing what's inside. And who would do that? (laughs) Us. And Steph. Yeah. Um, Okay, so back to what is my gift. Seth, you want to find out what your gift is? Yes, please. Okay, does everyone else want to find out what Seth's gift is? All right. Man, you're like right in there. I had scissors and everything, but you're like just tearing it apart. Want some scissors? Yes. <laughs> right. Look at the tension building. A gift bag. There's a gift bag inside a gift box. And what's, that, what's inside the gift bag? All right. Thank you. Uh, It is a gift card to Starbucks for exactly $12. And let me tell you why it's for exactly $12. Because question number four is, what do I do with my gift? Um, When I went to Starbucks and asked them uh, for a gift card, I asked them, what is the normal or average purchase? How much does it cost? And they said five or six dollars. And so, Seth, you have a gift card for $12. Do you have this gift card for $12 so that you can go to Starbucks and get two drinks? Uh, no. No. It's 
so that I can get one for myself and one for someone else. Man, give this guy a mic. Um, yes, if you did not hear him, it's so that he can get one for himself and one for somebody else. We have our gifts. We are blessed. Not for us to hoard our blessings and go to Starbucks two times or to use our gift for ourselves. It is for ourselves and for someone else. We are blessed to be a blessing for others. Um, Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Remember the verse from earlier, Paul, uh, Peter writes, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Use your gift to help each other. The nature of church as a community is that we all use our gift for each other and for the community around us. We all use our gifts, not just those of us who get to be up here. All of us as a community get to use our gifts. Here is this chart again of the listing of gifts. If you look at this listing of gifts, if you explore this in the coming weeks, you can think through, where are there ways in which I can serve and help out others? Administration. We always need help with administration in the office. We are down to one full-time administrative assistant. Um, evangelism. Jenny Sung is leading a, um, led last time in the Alpha course. She led an Alpha course at, uh, with Tim Holder and some other folks, an Alpha course at the um, at IHS for um, men who are houseless. Uh, coming up soon, she'll be leading an Alpha course at the Women's Correctional Facility, um, spreading the word of God. Um, if you are interested, please reach out. Uh, encouragement, we all need encouragement. Faith, um, Kathy Queen and Jenny, uh, this Thursday, this past Thursday at 10 a.m. down at the Vine, Hello, people divine. Um, they prayed from 10 till 10.30. And then from 10.30 to 11, they went and walked the streets of Kaka'ako praying for the neighbors there. Uh, this is not a church program. There's not something on. This is um, two faithful women praying. And as we know, all revivals, all great spiritual revivals have started with two women praying, <laughs> two faithful people praying. Um, so you're invited. You know, if you're interested, go down to the vine at 10 a.m., pray for you know, half an hour and then go walk around if you want. I joined by Zoom if you want to um, find out. You can uh, probably email Jenny and just find out, hey, give me the Zoom link. Um, exercise your gift of faith. Hospitality. There are people downstairs right now as we speak preparing hot dogs for you, exercising their gift of hospitality so you can go and enjoy uh, fellowship together after the service. Mentoring. Um, praise God for our youth. Uh, praise God for Phyllis, who is our young adult director. Um, Paul praises Timothy. Paul mentors a younger person. He praises and says, I remember your mother and your grandmother, Lois and Eunice, this intergenerational mentoring. Maybe that's your gift, is to pour into somebody else. Um, the idea of prayer, you know, Paul says, I pray for you constantly, night and day. Um, mercy, you know, we have more people in this church who are in need of um, the, the expression of mercy than we have people on staff. And it's because our staff doesn't take care of our community. Our community takes care of our community. That is the nature of church. Uh, use the gifts that you've been given. Um, Paul writes, I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Um, Seth, you have your gift card. Uh, what I do with gift cards is I put them in a Ziploc bag and I stick them in our junk drawer and then I never use them again. Um, is that the right thing that you're supposed to do with your gift? No, you're supposed to go out and spread it. Yes. Amen to you, Seth. Thank you so much. Please give Seth.
a huge welcome. Seth will be preaching here next week, so. <laughs> awesome. You're free to go. I will not torment you any longer. <laughs> Thank you, Seth. Okay, so let's tie these two themes together now. Um, a verse that many of us know ties these two themes together, our themes of whom I have believed and um, gifts. And the verse is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave as a gift his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. God's given us the ultimate gift, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. And this table is a reminder of that gift. My favorite part of communion is when I get to say the words of institution. I get to say the gifts of God for the people of God. The gifts of God, the body and blood of Jesus Christ shed for us, grace and salvation given for us. And Jesus himself invites us to this table. Jesus is fully present at this table. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus had dinner with his friends, his closest friends. And he picked up a piece of bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way he took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you. Do this for as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. The gifts of God for the people of God. Let's just take a few moments now in silence to linger in God's presence before we take these elements. Lord, we thank you for this bread, a symbol of your body, broken for us, a gift to give us hope and a future. And together as a community, we now take this bread in remembrance of you. Lord, in the same way, we give you thanks for this cup, a symbol of your blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you for the new covenant, your sacrifice that washes us clean and brings us peace with you. For we know whom we have believed. Together as a community, we now drink from this cup in remembrance of you. Amen. If you're able, will you please now stand as we recite the prayer that Jesus taught us, the Lord's Prayer. Praying together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you are in need of prayer, please, um, there are members of our prayer team who are out on that lanai who will be happy to pray for you. If you're online, feel free to type um, or click the, the button for requesting prayer. We do invite you all downstairs to uh, Ozone's for, um, to spend some time in fellowship together. Um, may God bless you abundantly and may you receive this final blessing. May the love of God our Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore.
all God's children say, amen. God bless you and have a wonderful week. What a gift we have in Jesus, given to us for no other reason but God's love. If you want to catch up on or listen again to previous services, visit our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Pres sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. You can subscribe there. Join First Pres for church. We meet in person and online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus, 10 a.m. at the Vine in Kaka'ako, or online through the websites. And remember, when you visit the website, check out the news page to keep up with everything that's happening at church. You can also sign up for emails, listen to or watch sermons, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Pres can do for you, please reach out through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.